if your work has been so great, why is there not a, a more impetus to pay you more? Welcome back to the First Hustle Then Brunch podcast. I'm so excited because today I'm speaking with one of my good friends, Sunia El Amin. Sunia is the founder of Flynanced, an online platform that teaches ambitious nine to five hotties how to earn more and effortlessly build wealth so we can claim the lifestyles we want right now without shame. Fed up with her own self-inflicted financial challenges, Sunia made the decision to become debt-free in 2020 after paying off over $23,000 of debt in 12 months. She reached her first 100,000 net worth milestone in 2021 at 26 years old and continues to build wealth in her nine to five as a product manager in fintech. Her story has been featured on Good Morning America, Business Insider, Black Enterprise, Travel Noir, and many others. Hey, Sunia, welcome to the show. Hey, Jazzy, thanks so much for having me. Yeah, I'm so glad to have you here. I would love it if you could share a little bit about your money journey and what led you to create Financed. I love this question because, ooh, my money journey has been such an evolution. So I I think my (laughs) money journey really starts even back to my days in college, right? Like I was the quintessential broke college student. And as I really hustled my way through four years of college, I realized there's so much more that I want for myself in terms of this vision for myself, had no idea how I was going to do it, right? But I had big ideas, right? I saw myself working in corporate, having a big girl salary, and honestly, just having like more freedom and options, though I didn't necessarily have a language to describe it as such, right? Like, I did not know about financial freedom and all of these things, but I still had this idea in my mind. So when I started working full-time in 2017, I kind of fell hard into the traps of living beyond my means, right? It was the first time I'd ever made that much money. And I was also kind of figuring out how to manage my money on my own for the first time. So with that, I definitely fell into the traps of swiping first, checking my accounts later, which ultimately (laughs) led me into some credit card debt and really just kind of feeling like I was living in this paycheck to paycheck cycle. So I would say 2018, I'd been a year working full time in New York. That was when I really hit rock bottom. And I think that was the real wake up call for me. In one summer, I put myself in like $10,000 of credit card debt and uh, woke up feeling like, one, I can't afford to pay off this credit card debt that's due. And two, just feeling like really also just kind of ashamed and and kind of wanting more for my money, right? I felt like, wow, I'm making this pretty decent salary. I have all these people rooting for me back home and I have nothing to show for it, right? Like, it's not like I have money, plenty of money, roll around the dough. Like I did not feel that right. a, that way at all. I felt like- Especially in New York, es- such a high cost of living. I'm sure that made it even more challenging. Right, exactly. Yeah. So that's when it really began for me. It was like rock bottom for me was, okay, I have all this credit card debt. I need to start paying it off. I want to see more for my money. And one of the first things that I did was honestly turn to Instagram. I found so many creators in the hashtag personal finance community, hashtag debt-free community, who were kind of just like giving me a lot of free information for me to digest and kind of make decisions for myself around like, oh, okay, this makes sense to me. I could follow this advice. Around the same time, I got introduced to a financial advisor and they were kind of like the first person ever helped me create my first budget and see that, wow, because I was overspending and not really 
tracking my money, I actually had more money available to me that I was that I could put to use, right? So, you know, I was even learning for myself, what does it mean to live in a budget? What does it mean to also put my money towards multiple goals at the same time? So I really spent the tail end of 2018 and most of 2019 just kind of figuring that out, right? For the first time, kind of really trying to have some financial discipline. But by the end of 20... how do you find your financial advisor? uh, Through through a mutual friend. uh, Through a mutual friend. It was kind of... I feel like the stars just kind of aligned. Like it was like, I was doing this on the side and here my friend was kind of speaking um, about me to to other people in her network. And, um, you know, by the end of 2019, I felt pretty confident and kind of like the progress I've been making with my money and then really felt like, okay, I could take this a step further. Like I'm that girl that's always doing the most. So (laughs) end of 2019, I'm like, it's all good. Right. End of 2019, I was like, oh, wait, I feel like I could pay off all of my debt. So I had some student loan debt. I had some personal loan debt. Um, and I still had a little bit of credit card debt to pay. In total, it was about $23,000 in debt that I was like, you know, if I really sat down based on like how much money I'm making, I'm getting promoted. I feel like I could make more money. I, I could become debt free in a year. So that's when I really kind of took it into overdrive. 2020 was when I set a big goal of becoming debt free. I started showing up and posting for this idea called Flynance. And and things, I really started to feel like I had some real momentum so that I, I feel like all of those steps kind of led me to where I am now. We're like really feeling so empowered by money, feeling like I have a really good handle on how to turn my money into real wealth, how to spend yeah. with intention. And I feel like from that, in terms of how Flynance came to be, right, I feel that as I was going through my own money kind of awakening, I really felt like there was a, there wasn't really anyone speaking to me, specifically to me, Mm -hmm. like in, in personal finance content, right? Like I was consuming a lot of content, but then also kind of feeling like I was not really fully seen in kind of the, the content that I was consuming, right? Like there was Mm -hmm. still this big narrative around, Hey, if you are in debt, if you are trying to figure out your finances, you shouldn't be traveling. You shouldn't be taking vacations. And that narrative of shame was just one that just did not resonate with me, did not sit well with me. So the idea to start finance really kind of came out of my own personal need to to feel like, Mm -hmm. okay, I feel like I'm not represented in some of these conversations. I know that other young black and brown women aren't. So let me start there. Right. And it really just kind of started with me documenting and holding myself accountable to my debt-free journey while also yeah. still trying to prioritize travel. And since then, I feel like it's evolved, right? Because I think as as my ideas around money and freedom and like what it means to create my own blueprint of wealth building has evolved, I think that I've also brought that to finance and helped other women see that, okay, yeah, we, we can definitely work towards having more travel in our lives. We can definitely work towards these ideas of financial freedom. But even more immediately, like, how can we take the skills that we have and turn it into well-paid careers that are going to give us all of these options, right? Mm, That was definitely the catalyst for me. So I'm really excited to share more of that through Flynance now because I think it's helping so many women see that uh, one, we deserve so much more money than what we've been paid and told that we're worth. Mm -hmm. And two, that not all of us are ready to jump into entrepreneurship. So how can we use our skills to build up our nine to five careers, right? So that we're getting yeah. 
also just paid for 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 all the work that we put in. So that's me in a nutshell. Yeah. Yeah, no, I love that. Especially because I feel like right now, hustle culture is like, so toxic, honestly. And like, I don't want to be a part of it, even though I love side hustles. I love starting businesses and that sort of thing. But it's not the only way to build wealth. So I like that you are focusing on that with your content and just reminding people that, hey, you can use your nine to five to achieve some incredible goals as well. So this is going to be a really interesting conversation. I'm excited. Yeah, me too. Yeah. So I know you share a lot about how you've made some pretty big career moves over the past few years. So for those who haven't seen your viral reels yet, can you go ahead and share some things that have changed within your career over the past couple of years? Yeah. So I call myself a nine to five hottie. And um, since starting (laughs) my career, thank you. Since starting my career in 2017, I have uh, I have worked almost exclusively in product management. So if you're not familiar with that term, product management is essentially a field, a discipline, a set of job functions that many companies across all industries have. Product managers are the people who are owning the strategy and really that end-to-end development, ideation, execution for products and services. So if you think of a company, any company, right, even a company like Amazon, Apple, Instagram, even to, you know, the the kind of companies I've worked for in financial services, like Amex, MasterCard, they all have products, right? It's physical products, whether it is a digital product, a software, all of these products, right, require someone who's kind of thinking about that overall customer experience, right? from when this product is created to when it's launched to how it's maintained at every step in the process, how are users interacting with these products and how we as product managers improve that experience to drive more revenue for the company. That's in a nutshell what I've done over my career. So I fell into product management in 2017, not knowing that it was going to become such a well-paid and sought after career pathway. So I, I like to say my headline is that in under five years, I've grown my salary by 4x, literally just by one, working in a specialized field like product management, two, job hopping, right? Not being afraid to mm-hmm. quit and leave jobs to pursue yeah. other offers. We should definitely talk about that more too. Definitely. And and then three, of course, negotiating anytime that I was presented with a new offer. So all of those things have allowed me to go from in 2017 I made about $48,000 for my nine to five to now it being 2022, I, I make multiple six figures, right? And that's just even in Love my, it. my Love base. Love to see it. My base compensation yeah. doesn't even include equity and other other things that, that make up my total compensation. So it, it's definitely been a journey and I'm excited to share more about it with other young women because I don't think that we're always encouraged to see mm-hmm. job hopping as a as a real way to strategize and be intentional about our salary growth. Yeah, yeah, that's so inspiring. And I feel like it's a good thing to call out because people don't know what's possible for them unless they see other people talking about it. And so I love that you're using your platform to share this and being so open and vulnerable with it is just amazing. So yeah, okay. let's talk a little bit more about job hopping and how you use that to increase your income. Yeah, so the job hopping in, in an essence is, is really about this idea that there are times, multiple times within our career where we need to upskill and where, you know, our skills might actually be worth more in the market. And we can know this by continuing to interview, continuing to take informationals with recruiters, 
and really just understanding every so often how valuable are my skills at other companies, right? So the first time that I job hopped was 2020. I worked at Amex for a little under three years and was kind of at a place in my journey there where I felt, hey, I'm doing great work. I have all of these great relationships, all of these leaders and sponsors across the company. Um, so, you know, as I was talking with my direct management, just kind of feeling like, hey, like, what's the pathway to getting promoted look like, right? Like, I don't want to necessarily, you know, at this time, I kind of heard about my money journey. I was really in my bag at that point, right? Like I mm -hmm. knew kind of how to make my current budget work based on the money that I was making. But I knew that, hey, the more money that I can make, the faster I can get to my goals of becoming debt free and do some of these other yep. things, right? So that was at the forefront of my mind. And I kind of felt like my immediate management, they honestly weren't taking me seriously, right? Like I think that they, I think the culture on that team was, hey, pay your dues. We've all kind of been here. Promotions are come few and far between, but at the end of the day, we're doing really cool work. Doesn't everyone want to be like us? And that hmm. that kind of idea, and I think many of us are work at companies and have teams where that is that idea that's like, oh, we're so strategic. Oh, we're we're like the most sexy team at the company, right? People take that and sometimes aren't pushing as hard on the salary piece because it's like, whoa, you work on such high profile projects. Yeah, right. that didn't matter. Right, exactly. You should be honored. Yeah, that didn't matter to me because I wanted more cash in my pocket, right? Exactly. So here it was the beginning of 2020. I had no idea, obviously, what was around the corner. But I just kind of put it out there that like, hey, universe, I'm open to new opportunities and ended up getting connected with a new job at a competitor company, MasterCard, through someone in my network. We essentially went to college at the same time. She was working at MasterCard. Her team was hiring. And we ended up getting connected through our alumni network. And from that, I went through the interview process and made my first job hop, which was going laterally, right? So I was at the same level, just I moved to a different company. But because mm -hmm. of that move, I earned $50,000 more in one year just by moving companies. Like yeah. pretty much all my responsibilities were the same, but it taught me that, hey, especially in product management, the market is so hot for my skill set. I can't afford to sit at these companies and just give my loyalty, quote unquote, right? Exactly. I, yeah. I have to be intentional about growing my own career. And mm -hmm. what that looks like is continuing to understand who's searching for my skill set, tapping with people in my network and not being afraid to go through interview processes to really kind of pivot and get to other opportunities. So I job hopped in 2020. I job hopped again at the end of 2021. <laughs> I wanted to do something else, just kind of over it in terms of my, my experience at MasterCard and kind of put it out there that, hey, I want to do something else. Maybe I want to be more technical, work on something that's a bit more digital or web-based and pivoted again at the end of 2021. Now I, I do work in financial services, tech, fintech, but because I job top again, I was able to almost double my total compensation, right? Mm -hmm. Get my first offer that included equity in a company, which means that I now have another way to build my wealth through my nine to five and just getting yeah, to that. That's such a nice perk. Such a nice perk, such a nice perk. And just getting also more of the flexibility that I wanted, right? So my team now is fully remote. I have unlimited PTO. So a lot of things that I feel like I really wanted because it just makes sense for my lifestyle as someone who loves to travel. I was also able to get, again, because I job taught, understanding what my skills were worth to other companies. So I'm a big believer that more women need to get comfortable with the idea of job hopping. And the only way that we kind yeah. of do that is by, you know, not being afraid to 
take those conversations, put ourselves out there on LinkedIn, follow up with people in our network and really understand, hey, are my skills worth more than I'm kind of being paid for? If so, mm-hmm. how can I pivot into some other opportunities? Yeah, yeah, that's super important. And I know before it used to be taboo, like you have to work a certain number of years at a specific job before you move and it'll look bad on your resume. That is not the case anymore, especially since the pandemic started. 2020, of course, we all know about the great resignation. And I was actually part of it too. So I job hopped in 2020. And then again, in 2021, more than doubled my salary. So I'm 100% on board with this mission completely. So I guess, how do people know when it's time to leave their job? I love this question because, you know, it's a mix of self-awareness and it's a mix of really being attentive to kind of like what's happening like across your team and even for your own self as you are kind of at these moments in your own personal journey where you just feel like, yeah, I'm ready for a switch. So there are a couple of things I feel like I've experienced that I think are telltale signs for me that it's kind of time to, to figure out another opportunity. I think one of those things looks like if you were in a situation where your boss just kind of like takes you off of projects, like you're kind of getting shuffled around and there's really no rhyme or reason for it. Just, hey, you wake up one day and now you're being told that your responsibilities are totally different. You have a new management structure, et cetera. That literally happened to me at the beginning of 20, 2021. I think that's a telltale sign that it's kind of probably time to make another decision, right? If you are not, mm-hmm. if you have been kind of shuffled around at your organization and not really given a rhyme or reason, and it's not really aligned with like your career goals, it probably means that there's some other restructuring happening that either you may not no longer be privy to or just some mm-hmm. bigger macro things that you just might want to avoid entirely, right? Like, and especially if you're not getting that transparency that you need from your management to kind of tell you, hey, this is the reason why this is happening and this is how it can still support your career growth. I would definitely say that's a red flag. Start to find Mm -hmm. other options. Yeah. I would say another telltale sign for me has been when you are putting in good work, you're getting good feedback, really positive feedback. But when conversations around promotion, raise, increase in salary come up, it's really mute. There's no, you know, no movement when it comes to those things, even though you're essentially being told your work is great. Keep up the good work. That's another sign to understand what your options are. Investigate some other options, right? Because what you don't want to do is get to a point where, hey, I've been putting in great work year over year and have nothing to show for it. Many of us fall into that trap, right? Like we're Mm -hmm. kind of being given these little breadcrumbs by management just to kind of keep us holding on a little bit longer, right? But what I'm saying to you is that, if your work has been so great, why is there not a, a more impetus to pay you more, to give you a promotion, right? If you're kind mm-hmm. of feeling like you're asking the same questions over and over again to your management around getting that raise, it's, t- it's time to look elsewhere. And then I think yeah. one of the big things is just thinking holistically for yourself, right? If you're not familiar already with this term of inflation, inflation <laughs> ins- essentially impacts the cost of all of our goods, everything that it costs to live and, and thrive, right, is impacted by inflation and the rising cost of consumer goods. And the fact of the matter is that between the beginning of 2022 and now, inflation has grown almost 8%, right? So if you have not at least an 8% raise between now and even a year ago, you're now underpaid. Essentially, the salary that you yeah. are earning does not go as far. So it's even outside of the professional things that we have to be aware of, but just like at a macro level, 
our money is being impacted by all of these bigger trends. Like we can't afford to just kind of sit by and let our salaries continue to dwindle and lose the power of our salaries by not getting these bigger promotions, these bigger increases in raises year over year. And I think the biggest ways that I've been able to get raises hasn't been because, oh, I got a promotion internally. It's been by jumping to other companies and negotiating offers that, as you already heard, gave me $50,000 or more money that literally went into my pocket. So that's just such a huge opportunity I don't think that we can afford to miss out on. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And along those lines, what are some things that people should be looking for at a new company or in their new role when they're making the decision to job hop? Yeah, I think for me, I am, since I've been so intentional about growing my salary over a year, one of the biggest things that I'm always looking out for is just like base compensation, right? Can I get 10, 15, 20% or more increase in my base compensation? Like that's the money that I'm taking home in my paycheck. I want to see that grow year over year, right? So that's something to consider. Also, other benefits and compensation are things to consider, right? Does this company offer retirement plan matching? If so, what does that look like, right? Are you 100% vested from day one? Meaning that if you invest in these plans through your new employer, is all the money that they contribute on your behalf going to be yours to keep if you decide to leave in a year or two, right? And also just other things, right? Equity stock options, vacation time, all of these things impact how we show up to work every day. So I think the more options that we have when we're understanding, comparing employers, the better. I would say another thing that's really important to me is also understanding the management style of the people that you'll be working under, right? So yeah, that's really good. Companies can be super amazing and super shiny and have all these amazing benefits, but what's going to really impact your day-to-day is your management team. So really understanding like, are there any bigger trends that you should be aware of before you join that company, right? Sometimes you're not always going to be able to suss this out, but even through the interview process, you can learn a thing or two about how how do managers think about time off? How do they how do they reward their teammates for hard work, right? Is there such a backlog of work already that people are already super stressed and you're kind of just mm-hmm. coming on, you know, like really understanding the dynamics at play to the best of your ability use those interviews to also interview those companies and those teams, because what you don't want to do is feel like gotten this amazing offer, but then it's like, uh, management sucks. Uh, I wasn't aware of all these other, yeah, yeah. I wasn't aware of all these other details. And now it kind of feels like a bait and switch, which I'll just say it happens. I'll say even for myself, you know, I took this new offer and just joined a new company at the beginning of this year. And even myself, I've been baited and switched because how about the person that hired me? announced that she's retiring in a couple of weeks. So it's kind of like, maybe I should have sussed out that a little bit more in the interview process. Ultimately, I'm happy with the overall management of the right. overall team. But it's just like, even those things really impact your day to day, especially as a new hire, right? You got to mm-hmm. keep those things in mind. And then I would say also thinking more macroly about like, what is the company that you're joining? Do you feel like there's opportunity there? Is it a, is it a company that has a strong brand equity is it a company that you'd be taking a big risk with your career by joining, right? Like there's so much that's happening in the startup world. There's so many companies that are popping up, but do you want to join a company where there might be more risk involved, right? To say, that's great. You got equity in a company, but like if they don't become this big unicorn, is any of this stuff even going to be worth anything, right? right? Or, yep. you know, I think for me, I've been really intentional of kind of aligning myself with bigger brands that I just know are going to be here for the test of time, right? Like 
Amex, yeah. MasterCard. You landed some amazing jobs. Yeah. <laughs> I, thank you. Company. Right. Like these are companies that are not going anywhere. Millions of people mm-hmm. rely on, millions of other companies rely on. So I think I've also been intentional about trying to align myself with some of these bigger corporate companies where nothing is guaranteed when it comes to equity, when mm-hmm. it comes to risk, right? But chances are companies that have a hundred plus year history are not likely to go away tomorrow. So I also kind of keep that in mind when I'm thinking about job hopping. Am I also kind of balancing the risk of also what this company is involved in? Is this an opportunity where I can also grow my career as well as grow my money? That's always important too. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. And I know that you use LinkedIn. I use LinkedIn to find my new company. It's a really great tool for job seekers and anyone that's interested in making a switch. So I'm curious, what are some common mistakes that you see job seekers make when it comes to using LinkedIn to attract and land these well-paid jobs? Yes. And I'm so glad that we're talking about this, Jazzy, because I think LinkedIn is a is an amazing tool, but I also think that it's widely misunderstood, right? Around yeah, how you can sure. be using LinkedIn to also target opportunities that might come your way. So if you're not already on LinkedIn, this is your sign to get on LinkedIn, especially (laughs) if you are a job seeker and want to pivot into a better paying job, right? I think some of the biggest mistakes that I'm seeing folks make and other nine to five highs make who want to pivot into a well-paid job is that they're not using their LinkedIn to target for the jobs that they want. Essentially, your LinkedIn profile is like your Instagram profile. You want to put out your best foot forward keeping in mind that this is still a social media platform. So what that means is that we don't have to be always so literal around A, what our experience is, and B, feeling like, oh my God, my coworkers can see this. I don't want to sell myself to recruiters. No, that's not the point of LinkedIn. The point of LinkedIn is to be able to say, this is my very best public-facing resume, CV, whatever you want to call it, but this is my opportunity to tell my own story, right? It's not the story of what my employer thinks. That's the story of what my my team thinks. It's my story, right? Mm -hmm. So with that, I think targeting your LinkedIn for the jobs that you want is so critical. And there are some few things that I think we can all do a little bit better. One, I think it's- Yeah, how do we do that? One, I think it's really understanding what are the jobs that you're trying to target? I think doing some of that discovery is so important. Everybody may not fall into their zone of genius like me, which is I fell into product management and then it just kind of makes sense for me and I'm sticking with (laughs) it, right? So if you're kind of still in that discovery stage, use LinkedIn to figure out what else is out there, right? Type in some of your top skills into the LinkedIn jobs tab, right? LinkedIn's job tab is actually a search engine that is searching all of the job openings across LinkedIn for skills as well as job titles and companies, right? So you don't have to necessarily know what is that job title you're looking for, put in some of your key skills and actually read some of these job descriptions to see, hey, are there jobs out here that I haven't previously considered that align with my skill set, right? Then Mm -hmm. use that information to be able to help tailor what your LinkedIn profile can look like. So for example, if you feel like I want to become a product manager, I'm learning more about it, I feel like I'd be good at it, make sure your LinkedIn looks like that of a product manager. Make sure in your headline, you have product manager. Make sure in your experience, you're describing your experience, even if you've never worked as a product manager, in line with the language that you're seeing in job descriptions from a product manager, right? So the same way that you would optimize your LinkedIn using keywords and using job descriptions to help you describe your experience, you want to do the same thing on LinkedIn. Why? Because recruiters will have something to sink their teeth into 
when they land on your profile. Even if they don't know right. the companies that you've worked at, if they can read your experience section and see, oh, hey, this person has done the things I'm looking for and hiring for, they're more likely to message you and want to talk to you. And then three, I think one of the biggest things I think we can all do is actually use our skills section in our LinkedIn profile to show off the skills that we have that are aligned with the jobs that we want, right? So you may not know this, but your skills section is actually full of up to 50 terms that you can use that are searchable. Oh, wow. And recruiters can... I didn't know that it goes up to 50. It goes up to 50. probably have like six. Right. It goes up to 50. And I think, again, this is not even something that LinkedIn, I think, talks a lot about, but it's a truth, right? If you go into your LinkedIn profile today and look at what are the skills that you have in your skills section, are they actually specialized skills that you can use to land a new job? Or are you just kind of putting Microsoft Word up there? Because I promise you, babe, everybody knows how to use Microsoft Word. But what are some (laughs) other things that you could be putting out there, right? Have you done like market research? Have you done like go-to-market plans? Have you done data analytics? Are there software that you use that you've been trained on that you're an expert in, right? For me, that looks like Jira, Tableau, SQL, right? Things like that. Put those skills into your skill section, especially if you're seeing those be some of the common skills across these job descriptions that you're covering, right? Why? Because recruiters can actually search skills in their version of LinkedIn recruiter. And this is a this is a huge way that they're able to find talent that aligns with the jobs that they're trying to hire for. And that's how you're going to rise to the top. So doing those yeah. three things, I feel like being targeted, updating your profile so that you're actually speaking to the jobs that you want, not the job that you have, and really building up those skill sections, I think are three easy wins we can all do right now to get more interest and drive more leads in, uh, in our LinkedIn profiles. And trust me, I know that this stuff works, right? Because I have folks mm-hmm. in my community who have done these things and almost immediately they're starting to hear back from recruiters because now they're really showcasing their skills in a new way and it's driving more interest in their profile, which ultimately yeah. makes it easier to land a new job, right? If you can have mm-hmm. recruiters reaching out to you and really following up and being persistent with you about getting in their interview process, it makes it easier on your part in terms of going through the motions to land a new job. So I highly recommend that all of us take a look at those three things I mentioned and really make sure that we are showcasing ourselves to our best ability on LinkedIn because it is a game changer when it comes to finding and pivoting into well-paid jobs. Yeah, those tips are really great. I need to go and update my profile now. (laughs) So for anyone who has found a role that they're very interested in, they want to update their LinkedIn profile with these skills that you mentioned, but maybe they don't actually have those skills yet or that experience, how can someone make themselves more marketable? Are there any resources or tools that you've used? Yeah, this is a great question. You know, I, I think that depending on you know the jobs that you want, there might be plenty of free resources out there to be able to build up your skills. Going back to LinkedIn, I actually love using LinkedIn as a way to build skills. If you're not familiar, LinkedIn has a whole learning portal called LinkedIn Learning mm-hmm. where you can literally take courses on everything from agile project management to effective leadership to public speaking to Microsoft Excel, right? That's all free, right? So you can literally use these courses and some of them are as short as 30 and 45 minutes to learn a new skill that you can then put on your resume, that you can then put on your LinkedIn profile. And keep in mind, right, when we're talking about skills to market yourself for what better paying jobs, it's not about mastery in these skills, right? None of us are masters of all of these skills, right? Mm-hmm. Unless you are highly specialized and have spent all of these years of training and education, right? You're likely not a master at these skills, 
But I promise you, that's not what employers are looking for. They're not looking for someone right. who's a master at all of these skills. They're looking for someone who can have a conversation about these skills, right? In an interview, can you talk with confidence about something, even if you haven't worked on it because you've watched your course, right? Because you've gone on to LinkedIn Learning. You've gone on to Coursera, right? You saw something on Twitter that took you to, you know, a one-on-one on some of these topics, right? Having even just a shallow understanding of what these topics mean to be able to speak to them in an interview process is enough to get in the door. I promise you 90% Mm -hmm. of a new job, you will learn on the job, right? So I think oftentimes we, you know, are putting so much pressure on ourselves to feel like, oh my God, I need to have all of these skills. I don't have all these skills, so I'm not even going to apply for these jobs. When the reality is you're still going to be learning so much when you join a new company, right? At the end of the day, employers are looking for someone who has a great personality and attitude and aptitude to get things done, who's a real team player and someone who's coachable, Mm -hmm. right? If you have all these things and you're displaying that in your interview process, I promise you, you're more likely to get hired than someone who has all of the skills down pack, right? But isn't personable, isn't coachable, you know, and isn't someone that people want to work with. So keep that in mind, right? But I think it's more important about having a shallow understanding, right? You're going through these job descriptions, you're seeing keywords, keep a running list of those things that you want to go back and really make sure that you understand, right? Can you talk Mm -hmm. for 30 seconds to explain what this concept is? I promise you that's probably enough, right? (laughs) That's enough to then be able to apply it to your experience. So even if it's a skill that you haven't exactly mastered in your day-to-day job, if you can talk confidently about it because you know now what it means, you can apply it to even, you know, situations that you may have worked on, right? To say, hey, well, if I had if I had leveraged this skill to do X, Y, Z, these could have been the outcomes, right? That's a great way to show mm-hmm. someone in an interview, for example, that you really do understand a concept, even if it's not something that you've, you know, mastered in your day-to-day operation. So that would be my recommendation, yeah. but there's so much free information out here. I definitely encourage you to use LinkedIn Learning, use platforms like Twitter, Instagram, TikTok to follow people who are using hashtags that relate to your job titles, right? If that's product manager, scrum master, software engineer, right? Because chances are other creators are talking about these jobs and may also be talking about free resources, opportunities to learn, scholarships, right? So that you don't always have to invest your money in such expensive programs or certificates, right? When there might be free information out here that you can leverage to then get yourself into a new company. Yeah, that's so important, especially now I feel like we have access to so many people all over the world at the touch of a button, like grab your phone, start searching on these social media platforms, because now there are people creating content pretty much in every niche and category these days. Early. So there's somebody that you can relate to, I'm sure that is, yeah, is sharing content related to the job that you're interested in. Absolutely. So going back to salary, this is a big motivator if you're considering switching jobs. Why do you think salary transparency is so important, especially for women and people of color? I know you've shared your salary on social media. So yeah, what are your thoughts around that? I think salary transparency is is a huge game changer for all of us in terms of getting paid what we're worth and really understanding how much our skills are, are worth just in the marketplace, right? Salary transparency for me is also about just providing visibility, I think, for many of us who may not see that the skills that we have are worth a lot, <laughs> right, to, mm-hmm. to other companies. So I think when I can share my experience to say, hey, this is how much I'm making as someone with from a non-traditional background who does not have, you know, the technical coding experience, 
and yet I've still been able to manage to build this career. I think that gives inspiration and hope to other women, to other people of color, especially other black women like me to say, if she can do it, I can do it too. And then I think moreover, it also helps all of us. I think when it comes to negotiating, when it comes to Mm -hmm. asking for what we want and deserve, because if we can know that, hey, a person has shared their salary at XYZ company, I can take that back to my company and say, you know, I don't really feel like I'm being paid my market rate, right? That gives you leverage. In an interview process, if you know, right, what the salaries are for that company you're interviewing with, it makes it easier for you to have leverage in those conversations with hiring managers and recruiters. So I think we can all benefit from salary transparency. I I think I've been more vulnerable with my numbers because, because I think that there's still just such a, one, a lot of gatekeeping and also just like a lot of mystique around some of these well-paid careers. So I think the more that I can make it really plain and, and clear for other women to understand, I think all of us can benefit from that. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And again, hearing your story tells other people what's possible. So you're still in your 20s, making multiple six figures at a corporate job. People may not think that that's actually possible for them until they actually see your stories. I think that's super inspiring. So thank you for sharing. Of course. Yeah. So what are some other ways that people can make the most out of their nine to five benefits? So I know you mentioned 401k, unlimited PTO. What are some other ways that people can get the most out of the job that they're currently in? I think one of the things that's most important outside of your base salary is also using the benefits through your nine to five to build wealth that you can use for retirement. So I am a big believer as a nine to five hottie in investing in my employer sponsored retirement plans. That's literally been the way that I've been able to grow a six figure net worth only since investing since 2017 as a full time employee. So the more that you can understand what options are available to you through your employer? Are you getting an employer match, which essentially just means extra money in your in your retirement plans because you're an employee? You definitely want to take advantage of those things. I think another thing that is often overlooked are you know health benefits, right? And I don't just mean like health insurance plans because I do think that's important. Understanding your options and making sure you're making the most cost effective option for your lifestyle, right? Um, because I think a lot of us are overpaying for healthcare that we don't need. But also there might be other health benefits that your employer offers that you want to take advantage of, right? Do you get stipends for being like a healthy employee? Do you have access to a health savings account, which is essentially another tax vehicle that you can use to invest in and save money for qualified health expenses? You might work for a company that offers you money to put into your health savings account if you take certain actions or if you contribute on your own, right? So understanding that, right? And then now with wellness being at the forefront of all of our all of our minds and many employers' minds as they're thinking about keeping talent, you know, and retaining talent, also look into other wellness programs that you can benefit from. Are you getting do you get certain perks like if you join certain gyms that are within your employer's perk network, right? Like for example, me, I'm saving so much money on a gym membership in my neighborhood because I'm using a perk through my job, right? But if I had not gone the extra step to research my options, I might be overpaying for the same exact experience, right? And then I would say, even back to the wealth building side, really also understand your options in terms of if you work for a publicly traded company, are there ways that you can invest in your company stock, whether that is through equity that's given to you as a new hire, really understanding what that means, what the vesting period is, so that um, that you're not leaving any money on the table if you decide to leave. But also there's something that 
you could even participate in called employee stock purchase program, where essentially because you're an employee, you're getting a more preferred rate on what it costs to buy stock in your company. That can also be a huge way to grow wealth, build your wealth through your nine to five, right? Because if you work for a company like a huge tech company that, right, will could probably continue to add value and continue to grow up in stock price, if you can lock in a really low stock price and be able to buy shares in that company as an employee, you have no idea how much that could be worth five, 10, 15 years from now. So I think that's also a huge thing to, to consider, right? So mm-hmm. how you can do this is really just getting comfortable with your benefit package, right? Whether that's online through a benefit site, whether you need to talk to someone in HR, but really understanding everything that is available to you as an employee, making a decision for yourself to say, can I take advantage of more of these things? And, you know, we haven't even gotten into some of the other things when it comes to family planning, mm-hmm. right? Giving you time off if you oh wanted gosh, to have a yeah. kid, right? Giving you time off if you want to adopt, right? There's so many things that I think we have to like consider mm-hmm. when it comes yeah. to making work work for our lives. So definitely mm-hmm. take advantage of all the benefits available to you. And I think that one starts with understanding what's available to you. And if you ever have questions about it, excuse yeah. me, hit me up, DM me. I'm happy to help you kind of figure out what that means for you. Yeah, that's awesome. And you're right. We have so much more that we could probably talk about about this subject. So thank you again for sharing. This is super inspiring and motivating. And you shared a ton of really great tips. Before we wrap up, I have a question that I ask all of my guests. And I'm sure you've heard this phrase before or have said it yourself. But I've said, I wish I had learned this sooner, or I wish I learned this earlier would have changed my life. So I'm curious, what is the most important lesson you've learned when it comes to your career or finance that you think would be really helpful for our audience to know? You know, I I think what I wish I would have learned earlier, I'm going to take this back. Okay. So what I wish I would have learned earlier, and I think this goes back to when I was in college, I think I really wish that I had more visibility to career options that were available to me that weren't just limited based on my major, right? I know we say all this Mm -hmm. all the time, right? Your major doesn't matter. You can do whatever you want. But I feel like in college, it's really hard to be able to kind of like see through that, right? If you don't have someone that's kind of saying, hey, like there are all of these options that are available to you, right? I spent four years of college thinking I wanted to work in media and communications until I realized there's no money in that, (laughs) right? (laughs) But I, you know, I kind of wish back then that I had known about product management to do like a product management internship, right? I had known about opportunities to like pivot into tech and some these other things, because I feel like I graduated at a pretty interesting time, you know, in the early 2010s that I think could have probably helped me accelerate my career growth even more. I think I'm really, I'm really thankful and grateful for my career journey. But I look back Mm -hmm. and just think that like, wow, I could have even had so much more money for myself as a college student, as an early grad, if I kind of understood that there's no linear path to kind of get into some of these more well-paid and specialized careers. You don't have to be a computer science major to work in tech, but you also don't have to come from these traditional backgrounds to Mm -hmm. make a lot of money in your career. So I'm ultimately really happy where I landed, but looking back, I really wish I would have had more visibility to just how many different options were out here instead of just feeling like, oh, I'm liberal arts, therefore I can only work in these certain career paths, which just isn't true. Yeah. Yeah, that's such a good point. I was a health and exercise science major. And here I am working as a project manager at a digital marketing agency, like completely unrelated. So yeah, that's a really good call out. Awesome. Well, this has been a really great episode. 
Will you go ahead and share where listeners can find you online? Yes, absolutely. So you can find me on every major social media platform under Flynance, but definitely make sure that you follow me on Instagram at fly.nance. And when you do, be sure to click the link in my bio because I actually have a free guide called Pivot to Well Paid that lays out exact steps on how to take the skills that you have right now and turn that into more leads, more opportunities, and more offers to get a well-paid job. It's been downloaded so far by about 20,000 people. So I, I, I think it's safe to awesome. say that it's, it's pretty hot. I, I definitely have some good tips in there just to take this conversation a step further. And you can also find me on my website, flynance.com to get in contact with me and learn more about my, my offers and services. So thank you so much, Jess, for, for inviting me and having me here. Of course. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in to the First Hustle Then Brunch podcast. If you enjoyed this episode or learned something new, I'd love if you subscribed and left us a review. Another way to support the podcast is to take a screenshot of this episode and share it on your Instagram story. Tag me at First Hustle Then Brunch so I can repost it. Thank you so much for supporting the show and I'll see you in the next episode. Oh, 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 oh